it was an opportunity for me to be the world's greatest dad. I, 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 I was trying so hard. My, uh, my sons were in middle school and early high school, and I got an invitation to travel in the middle of the summer to Phoenix, Arizona, uh, to speak for a family camp, and I decided to do an, an old pastor thing, which was take my family with me and then tag vacation at the end of that trip. And uh, I, it was back in those days when you know you had to plan everything properly because I, I needed to know how much the people were going to pay me because that would determine how much we were going to do on the vacation. All right, and so the, my vacation was wrapped in with a speaking assignment, and and everything was going according to plan. Uh, we we had I, I, it was my first time. This will show you how how long ago it was. Not just that my sons who are now grown men were in junior high and, and early high school, but they were actually, it was the first time I ever used Expedia to book a room, all right? I mean, it's like, okay, old guy flash right there, all right? And, and so we booked the, the room at the hotel, and man, I was, I was winning, okay? Because I, I had spoken for this family camp uh, one night down in Phoenix, and then they moved the whole camp north uh, up to Prescott, Arizona, uh, in the mountains. It was gorgeous. And, and one night they took us on a hayride, uh, turned all the lights out, looked like you could like, you know, see the stars and touch them. And, and then we came back down into Phoenix and the hotel that I had booked had three swimming pools and two of them were connected by the swimming thing and the guys were loving it. I managed to have a friend in Phoenix who got me tickets to the Diamondbacks game and, and they were like, the seats were right behind the the uh, the on deck circle about eight rows up and man we were just we were it was great and then I decided I'm taking my boys out to the Grand Canyon because I'm, I'm if you're in Arizona you got to go to the Grand Canyon right and then on the way I discover that there's this I keep seeing signs for this place that's uh, that that's called um, the a, a it's not a national park it's a natural landmark. It's called the Behringer Craters. And that, that Behringer Crater is on Route 66. For those of you who are old, you, you know about that, all right? And, and it, 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 for those of you who are young, it used to be the main highway going from one coast to the other one. In fact, this place is not far from a, a town called Winslow, Arizona. Yeah, I know the old people are all laughing. All right, young people, let me explain. There was a song in our generation and, and the lyric went, I'm standing on a corner in Winslow, Arizona, okay? And so all the old people were like, yeah, okay. And so I'm like, we gotta do this, right? We gotta go see this crater. And so we go to see this crater. And basically, it's a hole in the desert. But it fascinated me. I'm like, how did this thing get here? And, and what I discovered was, in researching a little bit, what, was that, that this crater had been created, they think, by a, a meteor that hit the earth thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. And they, they've estimated that the meteor, when it hit, was 160 feet long. 160 feet, about 50 yards, okay? About like the distance across a football field or half a football field, right? And so you're like, okay, something that big make, makes a big hole, right? And in fact, it made a 3,986-foot hole. The crater is three-quarters of a mile. And, and I'm going, and it's about 100 and, 
1,560 feet deep. And, and, and so I'm like, man, you, you take a trip down in there. And, and I'm looking at him thinking, man, this meteor made an impact. I mean, it hit the earth and bam, there's a hole, right? And then we go to the Grand Canyon. The meteor's hole is nothing compared to the hole of the Grand Canyon. But the Grand Canyon didn't get there by somebody going, oh, here, let's just dig a ditch, okay? No, no, no. The Grand Canyon, I'm, I'm listening, I'm paying attention. How did it get there? Well, the river and the water and the wind, and it just came, and, and now suddenly it gets deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And I learned a lesson. I, I learned a lesson that if you want to make an impact, you can either be like a meteor that makes a hole, or you can be like a river that makes the greatest canyon in the country. Because you see, it's the time that makes the impact. We're in our second week of a, of a series that we're calling Build a Life. And last week we talked about the fact that, that um, if you want to build a life of joy, you've got to build it with relationships. You, you've got to build it on the foundation of God and relationships that, with people that God puts in your life. And, and we're taking as our, our roadmap, if you would, through this, or our blueprint for how to build this life, uh, a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote in the New Testament called Philippians. It was a letter that he wrote to some people that he met on his second missionary journey. A, a, a lady named Lydia, who was a businesswoman, a, a slave girl who had been trafficked and, and oppressed, a, a, a Roman jailer who who actually had Paul and Silas in jail where they were singing songs of praise to God at midnight and then, and then an earthquake hit and he was gonna take his own life and, and because that's what his covenant was as a Roman jailer, as a Roman soldier responsible for the prisoners. If he lost a prisoner, he was to take his own life or somebody would take his life for him. And, and so he pulls out his sword and he's about to fall on it when out of the darkness, Paul says, hey man, don't hurt yourself. Everybody's still here. And the jailer was so overwhelmed that he fell on the ground. And he, and he said, what, what must I do to have the kind of life you've got? <laughs> what, what, what must I do to be the kind of person of character and, uh, uh, that you are? And Paul said, you asked Jesus into your life, man. <laughs> that, that's what happens. You ask Jesus into your life. And what we discover in that relationship, the story told in Acts chapter 16, and now this letter that Paul's writing a decade or so later to the same people, to, the, to Lydia and the slave girl and the jailer and the others who've come to know Jesus because of their witness about Jesus, is that there's a way to live your life, a way to live your life that builds wholeness and health. I know, I know there are people who, who confuse wholeness and health with, with not having any problems. That they confuse a life built by God with some kind of fairy tale that, that you never have any pain and you never have any sorrow. You, you ask Jesus in your life and everything's good. Yeah, but you see, that wasn't what happened for Jesus. You kind of miss that part. That part, you know, where he was killed for your sins and my sin. Well, but, but yeah, pastor, but, but if you do that, well, well then, then, then obviously that was just for him and now we're all fine. Yeah, except that 
when you look at the people who followed him really, really closely, you know, the, the disciples, that they end up like going hungry, being beaten, having hard times. Some of them rejected by their family. Some of them actually killed for their faith. And, and so it's like, okay, what are you trying to say? I mean, if you want me to build a life or let God build a life in me, then, then, then why would you invite me into a life that has heartache and pain and sometimes suffering? Oh, because the promise of Jesus is not that you won't have those things, it's that he will walk with you in the midst of those things. And by the way, if you don't have Jesus walking with you in the midst of those things, you're really, really all alone. No matter how many friends you've got, no matter how much influence you have, no matter what kind of crater you make with an instant impact in life. See, our culture is confused. We, we think that making an impact is about making a big to-do <laughs> when making an impact is about spending your life for eternity, which is why Paul, when he writes back to these people, writes something that, that's really, really amazing if you, if you understand. And so this morning, I want us to take a, a deep dive into just, it's a greeting that he writes to them. It's an update on his life. But it's a, it's a way of seeing what it means to live a life of impact. Listen as I read for you from Philippians chapter 1. If you want to follow along in your Bible, you can. But, but I prefer you just listen and let it sink over you for just a moment. Listen to these words. My dear friends, I want you to know that what has happened to me has has helped to spread the good news. Oh, by the way, Paul's already told his friends in, in Philippi that he's in jail again, all right? I mean, Paul ends up in jail a lot. The Roman guards and all the others know that I'm here in jail because I serve Jesus Christ. Now, most of the Lord's followers have become brave because I'm in jail and are fearlessly telling the gospel, the message about who Jesus is. Some are preaching about Jesus, preaching Christ, because they are jealous and envious of us. Others are preaching because they want to help. They love Christ and know that I am here to defend the good news about him. But the ones who are jealous of us are not sincere. They, they just want to cause trouble for me while I'm in jail. But that doesn't matter. Can, can you believe that? But basically, he says, it doesn't matter that these people are, are undercutting me. That these people are saying things in order to get me in more trouble and cause more chaos. It doesn't matter that the, the gossip mongers are going crazy in the town. It doesn't matter because all that matters is that people are talking about Jesus. Whether they're sincere or not, that doesn't matter. What matters is they're talking about Jesus. And that, Paul says, makes me glad. See, Paul is in a situation 
that none of you would want to be in. Uh, th this imprisonment is an interesting one when he says the Roman guards. Because the way he was imprisoned is this, 24-7, 365 for two years. Paul is chained to two Roman guards, one on either side. They come in eight-hour shifts, so every day he sees six guards. And these guards, as Roman guards, are part of what's called the Praetorium, and, and they're there to, to, to make sure political prisoners do not get away. And they literally, when Paul wakes up, there are two guards chained to him. When Paul goes to sleep, there are two guards chained to him. When, Paul, when Paul's eating his meals, got two guards chained to him. These guys are with him all the time. Now, most of us, if we're thinking about that kind of life, now, I mean, yes, he, he's, a, he's allowed to have visitors. He's, a, he's allowed to have correspondence. The Philippians have already actually sent him some money and food and clothing, some things to take care of him while he's in this imprisonment, but he talks about that later on in the letter. But he's still, he's still chained to these people. And so most people, if you've got guards who are chained to you, you resent the guards. I mean, you, I mean, come on. They're holding you captive. You can't go where you want to go, do what you want to do. They're right there. These people are an obstacle. But did you hear what Paul said? He said, he said, it's become clear to the Roman guards and all the others in Caesar's household that I'm here because of Jesus. That the reason I'm chained to these guys is because I tell people about Jesus. And therefore, they know I'm not a threat. In fact, some of them, many of them, are becoming followers of Jesus. Because can you imagine being a Roman guard and being given the assignment of being with the Apostle Paul for eight hours a day and hearing this man talk about Jesus and what Jesus did in his life and how Jesus has done this and this and this and this. And this. I mean, can you imagine when they change guards or saying the first time, like, man, this guy's nuts. <laughs> I mean, good luck, buddy. You're gonna spend eight hours with this guy that just will not, you know, just, yeah, 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 yeah. All the time talking to you about Jesus, about this Jesus. I don't know who this Jesus is, but he's talking about him all the time. But as people come and go, as people walk in and start telling their story, and the guard, the guard, you talk about having a captive audience. <laughs> they, thought, they thought they had Paul captive. He had it completely flipped around. It's like, I got two guys to win to Jesus with me all the time. And I get two more in eight hours, and two more after that. And, and, and here's what we learn. You want to make a life of impact? You know, one that makes a canyon and not a, cra a crater? Then what you have to understand is that in a life of impact, obstacles, obstacles become opportunities. Obstacles become opportunities for you to see God's work. So there's some of you who are in the middle of some stuff right now, and whatever it is, it's an obstacle to you. It's a, it's a hardship to you. It's a barrier to you. It doesn't give you what you want. But remember, we talked last week. It's not about building the life you want. It's about letting God build the life for you. I mean, Paul wanted to go to two other places besides Philippi. 
He didn't want to go to Macedonia. That wasn't in his plan. But twice he's tried to go into these other places, and both times God said, nope, stop. So he waited and then had that dream and went to Philippi, which is in Macedonia, when the Macedonian man said, hey, come and help us. And then he gets there, and he ends up in jail. And now he's in jail again. See, he, he began to figure it out. That if you're going to build a canyon rather than a crater, then instead of having an instant impact and a, and a, and a huge kapooey about who you are, you just daily, day by day, moment by moment, live for Jesus. And when you daily, day by day, moment by moment, live for Jesus, and you run into an obstacle, you begin to understand that that obstacle is now an opportunity. It's an opportunity for you to see what God really wants to do. Uh, we've come through the last several years. We're living in a culture right now where there are so many questions, so many questions about why God would let this happen and why God would let that happen and why did this person have to experience this and why did this person have to, and why did I have to experience that? I hear those questions all the time. But look again at what he said. My dear friends, I want you to know that what has happened to me, which they all thought was horrible, he's in jail, has helped to spread the gospel, the good news. These Roman guards and all the others now know that I'm here in jail because I serve Christ. Could, could it be that the thing that's given you pain in your life, the thing that's given you frustration in your life, the thing that's, that you can't figure out why in the world that's there, that it's actually there because God wants to do something in you you can't see yet. God wants to help you. I, 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 I really want you to hear that. Because some of you, all you can see is the obstacle. Uh, okay, it's audience participation time. You're gonna help me with the sermon right now, okay? So those of you who, if your neighbor's asleep, wake them up, they need to help right now. Okay, this is physical activity, all right? For those of you online, I'm, I'm encouraging you, you gotta participate too, unless you're driving a car. If you're driving a car and listening to this, do not do this, all right? But for those of you who are physically able to do this, here's what I'd like you to do. I would like you to take your hand and put it in front of your face. Come on, I see you, even in the balcony, come on, all right? Now what I want you to do is to take three fingers and, and just curl them down. Now you got one finger, right? One, one finger. I want you to take this one finger. Now, is, you, you realize, one finger. And I want you to take, and I want you to move it just like this, put it right there. If my granddaughter was here, I'd say peekaboo, you know. But you realize what's happened? That one finger is now blocking your entire view. You can't see. I mean, not take your whole hand and put it there. Just put your whole hand. Now, now, now pull it back. See, as, the, as that obstacle moves away from your vision, now suddenly you see more stuff. What, what happens is what you see as an obstacle, God says, no, 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 listen, that's an opportunity. And, and when you have questions about why you have the obstacles and why you have the pain, understand there's a key principle of the New Testament that you have to figure out. You have to understand this, and that is that God redeems the bad things that happen. 
It's not that the bad things don't happen. It's not that you won't ever have any pain. It's not that God promises you a life that's a rose-covered path. No, no, it's, it's more like a rose bush. You gotta go through some thorns to get to the petals. <laughs> but the fact is, those obstacles can become an opportunity because Jesus redeems. He redeems your heartache. He redeems your trials. He redeems your obstacles. What do you mean he redeems, Pastor? He, he takes the pain. He takes the heartache. And he shows you more. Because you see, in the life of impact, problems present possibilities for the growth of the kingdom of God. In, in, a, in, in, in a life of impact, where you understand that obstacles are simply an opportunity, an opportunity then, then problems that come along, they present a possibility for something to happen in your life. Uh, years ago, I was working with a group of high school students. One of their classmates had been tragically, tragically killed. And, and we were processing how they were processing. I mean, they went to a small Christian high school, had like 18 people in their class. In their junior year, one of the young ladies in the class was murdered. And, and I remember walking through that with the class. I remember one particular session where there was a young man who, who basically, as we're, I'm like, guys, come on. I know this hurts. Talk to me. Talk what's going on. And, and I remember this young man saying, it's like this, Pastor. If, if she had done something bad, like if she'd shot up some drugs and, and because of that it killed her, we'd go, well, she did that and now, now she's dead because of what she did. Or if she got drunk and she was driving her car and she, and she had an accident, hit a tree because she was driving impaired and we, we'd go, well, you know, if she, that, if she hadn't done that, she'd be okay. But pastor, pastor, she, she was killed because she she, she was in a place where she volunteered to work so she could go to church with her mother on Sunday. And now she's been shot and killed? Totally innocent? Pastor, how you deal with that? Well, first of all, you sit in silence for a little bit. And then you say, you know what, that's a really, really good question. And I don't know what God's going to do out of this. But what I do know is that he's not surprised and he cares. And as much as you weep for your friend, he weeps just as much. What I want you to know is that somehow, some way, God is going to redeem them. It's been years since that conversation. Years. And not every one of those 17 kids sitting in a room who are now adults has found the path to be easy. Not every one of them has found the path that connects them to Jesus. But there are those. There are most of those who have discovered that out of their pain and out of their grief and out of their sorrow, God has found a way to redeem their pain. The redemption has made them value life more. The redemption has made them 
value each other more. The, the, the redemption has made them willing to talk about who Jesus is. See, that's, that's what Paul's saying here. So look, I'm, I'm in this jail. I'm, I'm chained to these Roman guards. I, they're an opportunity for me. But, but did you know that when I came in here and, and, and now suddenly I'm under arrest and, and it's because I've been teaching about Jesus, somehow, some way, that inspired some other people to say, hey, you know what? If Paul can go through that, I can go through that. If Jesus will walk with Paul, Jesus will walk with me. And so now they're out telling people about Jesus. Because you see, the problem presents the possibility that maybe you can participate too. The problem presents the possibility that maybe, maybe you, you, can, you can be a part of a canyon that makes an eternal impact. That's a fun word, isn't it? Eternal. Because that's what we're told in the scriptures we have when we connect with Jesus Christ, when we let Jesus into our life, we have eternal life. Not, not one big moment, I'm sorry, with all deference to the NCAA and their big basketball tournament, life is more than one shining moment. And that's, it's a, a river. And when you understand that God redeems your pain, then you discover what these people discovered. Most of the Lord's followers have become brave and are fearlessly telling the message. But some, some are preaching about Jesus because they're jealous and envious of us. Others, they're preaching because they want to help. They love Jesus Christ and they know that Paul is here to defend the good news about Jesus. But the ones who are jealous of us they're not sincere. They just, they just want to cause trouble for me while I am in jail. But did you hear it when I read it earlier? Paul says, but that doesn't matter. That, that just doesn't matter. What matters is that Jesus is proclaimed. What matters is that people hear that Jesus can help them through their obstacles with their opportunities, that Jesus can help them with their problems and present them with possibilities, that, that Jesus can change the way they live their life. You know, that's, that's what it means to get a, a brand new life, to have God build that life in you, to give you a new perspective. And that new perspective, that, that new perspective fuels a passion passion for people to meet Jesus. That's why Paul says, look, don't worry about me. I know I'm in jail. I know it looks bad. I know I'm probably going to face a death penalty. But, but, that obstacle has given me more opportunities to share the gospel. That, that problem has presented me with possibilities and others have seen the opportunity and now they're beginning to share the gospel. And yeah, there are, there are some people who are jealous and there are some people who are insincere and there are some people who just wanna, just wanna hurt me. But, but it's okay. It doesn't matter. All that really matters 
is Jesus. That's why I love that verse. All that matters is that people are telling about Christ, whether they are sincere or not, and this is what makes me glad. On the night before he was to lay down his life, Jesus, Jesus faced a, a real obstacle and a real problem with some of his disciples, in fact, all of them. See, he'd been trying to give them a new perspective. He'd been trying to show them the opportunity to live forever with him. The problem was they were all wrapped up in what they thought the Messiah should look like. Three different times, Matthew tells us, on the way up to Jerusalem for that Passover meal, um, Jesus told the disciples point blank. You can go and read the third time in Matthew chapter 20. He, he tells them, starting about verse 18, listen, when we get to Jerusalem, they're gonna arrest me. They're gonna whip me. They're gonna beat me. They're gonna flog me. They're gonna, they're gonna put me on a cross. They're gonna kill me. But listen, it's okay. On the third day, I'm gonna rise again. And the disciples, three different times he tells them. And what happens when that actually starts taking place? They're like, what? They can't do that to you. I mean, Peter takes out a sword. He slops off somebody's ear. I mean, it's like, no way, no way, no way, no way. Jesus is like, I love it, and picks the ear up, puts it back on the guy's head. Peter put the sword down. I told you this was gonna happen. Don't worry about the obstacle. There's an opportunity on the other side. This problem is gonna present you with some possibilities. Peter, you're gonna become a better man than you've ever dreamed, even after you deny me three times. And so, one last time, before all of that happens, he tried to tell them. He gathers them in an upper room, and for the fourth time, he says, look, they're gonna arrest me. And tomorrow when they do, I just want you to know that this meal that you've taken all your life that used to celebrate the deliverance of our people from Israel, from Egypt, now it's, it's, the, it's gonna take on a whole new meaning. Now it's gonna be about who Jesus is in your life. Now it's gonna be about you being set free from the oppression and the obstacles of your sin. So when he gets to the part of the meal where he picks up the bread, the unleavened bread that they took every Passover meal, and he breaks it and he says, hey, listen, from now on, when you take this, remember, this bread is about the fact that I'm the son of God and I became flesh and I live with you. And, and every time you take this bread, I want you to remember, that's how much I love you. And then he got to this cup, the cup of salvation, and he said, you know what? Every time you drink this cup, I want you to remember that that, that blood that you're gonna see tomorrow, when they, when they put a crown of thorn on my head, when they beat me, when they drive nails in my hands, that blood that flows down, the redness of that blood is like the redness in this cup. And here's what you got to know. It will wash your sins as white as snow. So 
every time you eat the bread and every time you drink the cup, remember me. Remember that all the obstacles were overcome with opportunities. Remember that all the problems presented possibilities for the kingdom of God. Remember that I'm giving you a new perspective, a brand new perspective, so that you can have a passion for what it means to tell people about Jesus. This morning, as we conclude our service, I invite you to the table of Christ. For those of you who are on campus, then I'm going to invite you in just a moment to come to an altar, receive bread and cup. If you want to stay and pray at the altar, you're welcome to do that. If you want to return to your seat, kneel and pray, you're welcome to do that. If you just simply want to, to stand and pray, that's fine. If you're not comfortable coming to the front, whether you're in the balcony or on the main floor, in the chair in front of you, there is a packet that has a wafer and a cup of juice. And you're welcome to share at the table there. For those of you online, I, I hope you will, I hope you will find a, a symbol of his body, a piece of bread, cracker, whatever you have, and a reminder of the cup. And I invite you to join us as Mike and Heather sing and remind us exactly who Jesus is that he is our good shepherd. And no matter what obstacles, problems, and pain we face, he is here right now to hold you and make you brand new. If you're on campus, would you stand with us?
pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are the God who loves us enough to send your one and only Son. Jesus, we thank you that you didn't just come for a moment or an instant impact, but instead you offer us eternal life that begins here and now and lasts forever. Thank you for telling us that the bread and the cup would remind us of what you've done for us. So on this day, as we take bread and cup 
we celebrate who you are and how much you love us. For it's in the strong name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. We're so glad that you have come to worship with us today, whether you're with us on campus or online. Uh, we do also want to let you know that there's a slide that's going to come up in just a moment that has the QR code um, for praying for our schools. And whether you're with us on campus or online, uh, if you're online, by the way, you can, uh, I know if you're watching on your phone, you can't take a, use the QR code. So if you'll turn it, there's a link in the chat room there uh, for you to use to let us know what school you want to be. We've got about a dozen schools covered so far. And it really doesn't matter to us whether you're in Madison County or Delaware County or somewhere, somewhere else in the country or in the world. We're inviting you during this time frame to join us in praying for the teachers and administration and students um, and communities as school has started back. Thank you so much for being here with us today. As you on campus leave this place, as you online sign off from us, may God bless you. May the Lord keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. And may he give you peace. Go in his peace. Amen.